Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott the Fane Knowles, and you are listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. Got a really awesome interview here with Josh Fiore. He won the Iceland Ultra World Championships last year, and I got to pick his brain about what it takes to go there. Uh, I would, this was a really cool interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. What's up, everybody? I got Josh Fiore on the phone with us today, and he's going to tell us about how he crushed the Iceland Ultra. What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good, man. So uh, tell us a little bit. I, I mean, I, I looked on Athlinks, and I could tell that you'd been running OCR for quite a while now. Uh, how did you get into it? Yeah, actually, um, probably similar to a lot of people, actually. My first race was uh, Warrior Dash. Uh, back in 2011, which um, pretty much like just it was like a mud fest. It was uh, over here in Massachusetts, and um, I actually was never really much into running it before that point, and kind of really that even that just that smaller race like kicked my butt. But I had so much fun that it just really really got me into running and kind of getting back in shape again. Right, and so like what was that like 2011, 2012? Yeah. It's pretty far back. Wasn't yeah, it? 2011 actually was the first one, and then I also ran um, a Spartan race that same summer at the exact same place, and that really really kicked my butt. And I was like, it, it was a sprint, like back when like the sprints were only like three four miles, right? Um, and it just absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> so you just fell in love, and the rest is history, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so so Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, wh- where are you from? What you do for a living? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally I uh, grew up in Methuen, Massachusetts. Um, it's just like a small city, like north of Boston. Um, I was actually uh, at high school, started out in the army. I was actually a medic for uh, four years, and then uh, got out, worked as an EMT and paramedic for a while, then became a firefighter for seven years. Then I uh, decided I wanted to go back to school full time. So um, I've been for the past almost two years now because I graduated in August. I've been in a physician assistant school. Oh, cool. Um, so basically kind of like the full scope of practice of a doctor, just have to work underneath one. Right. So you're doing all the doctor's work pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I work in a doctor's practice, so I see a lot of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's fun. It's, it's awesome. Like, you're just continuously learning, so I absolutely love it. Cool. Well, well hey, man, how did you... I mean, I was looking at your athletes and, you know, you've got a bunch of races in there. I even saw you did the Georgia Death Race, which is a pretty hard race, so you should be used to my accent if you if you ran that race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, but the Iceland Ultra was your first 24-hour race, right? Uh, no, it was actually my second, actually. I had done, um, I had done World's Toughest Mudder, actually, with uh, my boy Mark Jones. Right. Um, we actually teamed up, uh, Team Mayhem, and we ended up getting uh, third place actually for uh, World Stuff Smutter in 2016 over oh, in I Las guess, Vegas. That's probably I probably didn't see it because it was on. I was looking on Athlinks. That's probably why that one didn't show. Oh yeah. Up. Oh no worries. Um, and actually, before that, um, I actually did the uh, Spartan Death Race um, four times actually. Oh wow. That so was actually my real first introduction to like multi-day, just like gay butt kicked, staying awake the whole time, just massacre. <laughs> oh dang. How old are you, Josh? Uh, 36. Oh wow, I'm still older than you. Sound like you just had this long <laughs> history of racing and I'm like, dang man, this guy must be kind of old. And shoot, I'm older than you are. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what made you decide that, Hey, I'm going to go to Iceland and try this race out. What made you decide? Well, it was actually, um, originally I was, I was scheduled, uh, to run World's Toughest Mudder again, um, in 2017. Um, but unfortunately my clinical rotations for PA school really weren't meshing with that. 
Um, and then they announced and that they were having this Iceland race in December, which is perfect. Cause I have the, I had the entire month of December off from right. school. So I was like, Oh, and, and not only that, but like, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I love the cold. Oh, like wow. that's, I mean, I, I, you know, here in the Northeast, obviously, you know, we have some pretty harsh like winters and I spent a lot of time like climbing, um, a lot of like the New Hampshire mountains, the 4,000 footers, like during the winter. And actually I loved like running in the snow and the ice and all that. So it was, the race was just perfect for me. Wow. So you were pretty much already kind of in for training for this because you were already training for world's toughest mud or anything. There wasn't anything you did differently to prepare for just to go to Iceland specifically. Yeah, this was actually, um, it, it was funny that you say that because, like, my training was kind of geared towards World Toughest Motor again, but um, I definitely I, I definitely changed up my training a little bit more. Um, for one thing, actually, and, and this was, like, the biggest lesson, I think, for me and for really anybody out there that really wants to, like, excel at any type of running, especially OCRs, is I raced less. Um, so instead of, you know, like, every week – being you know like all over the place running like a sprint here like a a super the next weekend traveling all over the place i really kind of just stick to only a couple of races in between you know the announcement of uh iceland and the race itself and then by doing that you know like all the other races were more like training so it didn't really matter what happened you know i felt like i was getting hurt i would just pull myself out like it was it was definitely a different mentality than I had in the past of just trying to win everything that I did. Right. So like was, and and you placed first in Iceland for the ultra. Was that your first time? I, I didn't look at all of your podiums, but was that your first oh, place yeah. podium? First time? No. Yeah. It, um, my first, actually the first time I really got for, um, we have a local race called fit challenge. Yeah. Um, and about. that would probably be actually the first time I actually, so fit challenge is pretty much like just a really, really tough, um, 5k OCR, um, in 5k you do like a thousand feet elevation gain. It's wow. some really, really tough obstacles and they have, um, a six hour, like just multi-lap challenge and I ended up like winning that one. So that was actually like the first time I ever won a race. Right. Um, and then, you know, I got on a couple more podiums and then like the really big one for me at least like my most special race was uh um 2016 where i won the killington ultra beast oh wow yeah i bet Um, that that was just i mean from going from i tell people this all the time you know if if you if you think you know like that wow like i can never get better like i'm i'm an example of that like i barely finished the killington ultra beast when i did it in 2013 and ended up like winning it three years later so that's insane man any, anybody can improve. Anybody can definitely like get to that top level. It just, you know, you just got to put in the work. Hmm. Well, um, while you're there, how, how did you, how did you start to train from say like the 2013 to the, to the or whatever the, whatever the year was you wanted? What, how did you change your trailing? Did you just start loading in a lot of volume on your feet or? Yeah, that was actually, that was probably the biggest thing. Um, uh, I was lots of running, um, but, but also doing it in a smart way. Um, one of the first things I actually, that, that first Killington Ultra Beast that I did, I actually ended up tearing my calf muscle because I was not ready for that race. Yeah. I was barely running at all. Like I barely hiking. Um, I just had done death race earlier that summer. So I was like, Oh, I'm a badass. I can do it. <laughs> <So, laughs> and man, was I wrong? That was a completely different kind of race. Um, so actually like that injury was the best thing that ever happened to me though, because I just, I read every book that I could on running on hiking and I really just started training smart, you know, like I slowly added the mileage. Um, that's the thing about running though. It takes time. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, like you can go into the gym and, you know, get, you know, like big muscles within like a month, you know, you can start like PRing on your deadlift and things like that. But running takes a long time to do it right. Right. And that's why so many people get hurt because they just start, like, building up that volume. You know, they go from, like, zero to 60 in, like, a week. Yeah, I've done it. And that's just, that's a recipe for disaster right there, so. Yeah, I think, um, like, my longest, the first year I did uh, Tri-State was in, in 2016, and 
like my longest run was probably like 17 miles and everything else was just like a handful of halves and after the first lap my IT bands just blew up so it was like pretty it was it was a rough second lap there that year. <laughs> oh man yeah, that must have been rough. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it sucked, man. It, but I finished, and so, but uh, dude, congratulations, then, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I ran it. I ran it this year too, and you know, I and I was worried because I haven't. I still, I haven't been putting on a lot of volume. I was still kind of beat up from coming out of last year's season, so I wasn't doing a lot. I mean, maybe getting twenty miles a week, and I was worried the same thing was going to happen, so I was just really cautious on the downhills this year. And luckily, I just had a little bit of pain in my hip flank flexors, and my ankles were getting kind of tight. But I mean, I did pretty good. I, I ended up placing fourteenth, even though that was still an hour and forty-five minutes behind your second place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that, honestly, that was I, that was probably one of the fastest actually Jersey uh, ultras I've done. That, that's all actually my not my new friend Vince actually the guy who won the race that guy's just fast as all hell so I was chasing him the whole time mm. um, but yeah no it was uh running definitely building up the volume but also uh really actually getting into the mountains and, right you know getting into the mountains learning how to like run uphill and downhill I mean even the flat farm races they find elevation somewhere yeah <laughs> so like if you can run up and downhill really fast, that that's when you really get to that next level in the Spartan races. Um, I, I tell people, you know, like you, you could, you could be like a, you know, 15 minute five K or, and still get beat by, you know, somebody oh, yeah. who runs like a five K in like 19 minutes in a Spartan race because the obstacles and the elevation and not only that, but also like really trail running too. Like you can't, you know, like treadmills, treadmills and pavement are great for, you know, like training every once yeah. in a while, but you really got to put the time on the trails. That's like I, to, it's like of, I said, I, a lot of times I, I will pass uh, way faster runners, and, and, and I think a lot of it's to do with this. You're just not used to the technicality of the trails. And, oh, absolutely. And they, and they hold back too, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's a mental, it's a mental yeah. thing. It, for example, like downhill running. Um, downhill running is really a good deal mental. And now obviously, I mean, there is, there is form to it. You know, you don't want to be sitting back too much. You don't want to be sitting too forward. You don't want to find kind of like that sweet spot. Um, and that just, that, that takes practice as well, but also, you know, like putting up your arms to help out with your balance. Yeah. But really it's just getting over that mental hump of, I'm not going to fall down this thing. I just got to keep my feet moving. Right. But if you if you have that mental block in your head of oh my god I'm going too fast I'm going too fast you're gonna keep breaking yourself and every time you break yourself you're just destroying your legs yeah that's what's so loading that's why up a lot your of joints kind of hard complain about that in races yeah I was I mean I was scared to open up really wide on the on the on tri-state because I just didn't want the 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 pain that usually comes with just opening yeah. your stride too much on the downhills but. Then I, I think I was breaking with my legs a little too much, and that's what was causing my hip flexors to bother me. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the, the uphill. I mean, the uphill is more on, you know, like your entire cardiorespiratory system. Oh, yeah. You know, you're definitely burning more calories when you're going uphill, but it's the downhills that destroy your legs. Right. So that, that's, that's another thing that I tell people, too, is that if you're going to – if you're going to do well with these races, once again, you know, a treadmill is great for getting some good elevation in over a short period of time, but it doesn't work the downhill though, unless you, you know, unless you have a treadmill that actually has like a down percentage, which most people don't have. Right. But, um, really just getting out there. And even if, you know, for example, I don't have the time right now to get up to the mountains. So I find a hill and I just run up and down it yeah. over and over again. I add, you know, sandbags to it. One of the big things, actually, and the, the great racer, Pac, um, who I met, you know, like numerous times, raced against them. Um, one of the best advice that he gave me for really strengthening both your hiking and your grip strength is getting just two six-gallon buckets. You know, it's kind of you get it like Walmart for like camping. Yeah. Um, and just go up and down a hill with one of the, with two of those in your hands. And it'll destroy your forearms and just make your legs really strong. Hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah, he's a smart guy. <laughs> <clears throat> so, 
So, so Josh, tell us about the, the travel to Iceland. Like, I mean, like how, how was the flight? You know, I mean, just tell us what the experience was flying overseas like that before. Uh, was that your first time doing that or have you gone overseas? Yeah, no, yeah that was, I mean, if, unless you, uh, unless you count, um, uh, going to Canada to OCR. <laughs> yeah, that was my first time going out of country for a race. Um, and it was, the whole experience was great. Like I actually, uh, most people probably send the video, but I, I brought my girlfriend with me, who's now my fiance, who I proposed to at the end of the race. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, the way I saw it was it, it, I was more relaxed for a race than I've ever been because if all if all went bad in the race, you knew that was coming. I still had an amazing vacation with, you know, I love my life. So, and good. wasn't that just the perfect way to end that race? <laughs> One, you got first place. And then you got to propose to your girlfriend. I mean, that was just an epic race weekend for you. Yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. It was a good week in general. Um, the flights, actually, so for those that are thinking about doing this, I can tell you the flights aren't too bad, at least from the Boston area. I don't know about other parts of the country, but um, the flights aren't bad. You can get pretty cheap, like the hostels very very cheap and then you can get rooms at the hostels that's what that's what me and my fiance did yeah um it's just the stuff there in iceland is expensive though so definitely be aware of like the sticker shock you know for example if you get a cup of coffee for two bucks here it'll cost you like 12 bucks there no way version yeah it's, ex- it's so stuff is expensive <clears throat> there and it's i mean they're an island country so that's um, insane but definitely <laughs> Yeah, something to be aware of. So try and bring as much food with you as you can. Um, definitely go shopping at the duty shop, um, the duty-free shop at the uh, airport. It oh. definitely save you some bucks. Um, but yeah, it's it's expensive, but it's it's worth it. The, the, it's a beautiful country. The people are amazing there. They're so nice. Um, you're not going to be able to pronounce any of the towns, <laughs> so don't even try. And then if you think you got it right, You'll hear somebody from Iceland actually saying, you'd be like, wow, that is completely off from what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you what, said hostel? What is that? Is that like a hotel or? Yeah, basically um, hostels are just like, uh, it's kind of like a community hotel. Right. So instead of having, you know, like your own room with your own bathroom, you have the, the true hostels are you share a room with other, other people as well as like a kitchen, a living room, a living area. So it's kind of like a, like a B and B kind of maybe, but yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. But with other people, have the travelers from around the world. So if you're oh, into cool. that kind of stuff, it's great. If you want to meet new people, um, or the hostels also have like private rooms as well. So, and it, there's numerous hotels there as well. So you can definitely save some money if you kind of look ahead and, um, definitely like check out different spots. But, um, I'd say definitely one of the also greatest parts about going to Iceland was the uh, all the other athletes from all over the world. Like here in the, there actually wasn't that many American racers, which was kind of surprising to me. Oh wow! Um, compared to there were people, there was a lot of people from um, from like Norway, from like European countries. There, there, but there were just people from all over the world: Asia, um, Australia, um, just just all of it. It was so cool. You know, like meeting all these people before the race and being on course with all these people. It, the guy, Pavel, who won second place, he's just an absolute beast. I've been following him since that. And this guy does like 200-mile races all around the world. Holy crap. Like he's won like the Spine over in UK, which is this like crazy multi-day race in the winter all along the UK. Like it, it's just so cool, like the people that you meet at these races. Yeah, but he got smoked by Josh at Iceland Ultra. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, I'll, I'll give it up to him, though, to, to uh, Pablo. It was the first time he'd ever done a sparring race. Oh, golly. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, he had no idea. He even said, like, after the race, he was like, I didn't even know how to do the obstacle. I didn't even know how to do the monkey bars. <laughs> oh, my God. That's insane. <laughs> so I, I could to give the guy props. I mean, he's probably going to come out and freaking crush it this year, year yeah. so. that's insane can you imagine oh there's a spartan race i've never done one before why don't i do the 24 hour one yeah, yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> golly that's insane <laughs> so did y'all like rent a car while y'all was there or did y'all just taxi everywhere 
No, we actually, we rented a car. Um, it's definitely, it's tough driving around there. Um, everything is in ice. So you definitely got to be like really slow, like driving. You can probably get away with just kind of getting a shuttle there, but we wanted kind of a little bit of freedom to drive yeah. around. It's just the, the only problem is you really can't drive very far from Reykjavik um, because most of the roads just absolutely like ice snowed over. So, wow. um, but yeah, if, if you're okay, I mean, it, New Englanders were kind of used to like driving in the snow. Yeah. But I'd say, like, if you're from, like, Georgia down south, you might want to just get, like, a shot. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I have limited snow driving skills. Yeah, you might want to just think about getting a shot. might be easy. I'll just bum a ride with somebody from northeast. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, once you're actually in the city of Reykjavik, you can pretty much walk around everywhere. Um, and then they have, like, shuttles to the different... Um, the different places that you want to go so if you want to go to the glaciers or to the thermal pools things like that like you can usually just take shuttles right so, uh, so what i mean so like how big is the town of Reykjavik? that's uh, it's a good size um population wise i'm not really sure but as i said like you can you can for the most part pretty much walk around most of it um it's not a big city um, so I wouldn't think, you know, like I wouldn't compare it to like Atlanta or Boston or something like that, but right. it's, it's a good amount. There's mostly, mostly, uh, travelers, mostly like tourists actually. Oh, really? But, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good like city town kind of feel actually. Everybody's really chill there. Huh. So what would you say were like the, I mean, the, the major differences between like Iceland and the U S you know, besides everything in the stores being really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, stores, uh, just how nice everybody is over there. Huh. Um, and not even just because, you know, like I, I've been traveling some places and, you know, people, you know, in the country are really nice because they're, you know, trying to get tips. Yeah. Um, that's actually, they don't, they don't uh, want tips. That's another thing, too. Actually, that was kind of interesting. So they don't, it's actually like against like their customs to give tips. So, oh. which is really weird. You're at a, re you're at a restaurant and you like want to write a tip, but. Yeah, so that's one kind of different thing. Um, but yeah, that's just, weird. Yeah, we're <laughs> so the, really, but they really still nice wait. The, but they still have like waitresses and waiters, oh, yeah. and they wait on you. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's interesting. They may, maybe they just get paid better. Uh, they, I guess that. they just get normal <laughs> hourly wages, then, huh? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, definitely. I can say weather-wise, and this is coming from, once again, a place that has kind of crazy weather. Man, it's, especially during the race, it was just every five seconds the weather was changing. Um, it was, you know, it was freezing rain at one point, then it was snow, then the wind was picking up to like 50 miles per hour, blowing you to the side, blowing you backwards. It was nice when it was on your back, because then it would just push you forward like a sailboat, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, and that weather was just great. That was that was definitely the craziest weather that I've ever ran a race in, and it it definitely did a number on a lot of people in that race. And I and I remember seeing the the live feed and seeing the wind just blowing the flags oh, and yeah. stuff like that. It oh, looked it, it looked intense. And did the locals say that that was like normal weather for there, or oh, yeah. was it? Oh, absolutely. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, I mean they basically say if you don't like the weather in Iceland, wait a minute because <laughs> <laughs> it'll change. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yep. I bet maybe it's got something to do with all the springs or whatever, maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was that was another thing that was really cool, too, is um, they actually, it's pretty much like an, they're active, like, it's active volcanoes underneath, like a lot of geothermal energy. Yeah. So, which is kind of cool because when you're in, like, the hotels, you can take a shower for like hours. It doesn't matter. Like it's not like it's literally just they use the power of like the geothermal energy. But um, the only downside to it is it smells like sulfur. <laughs> so if if for anybody that doesn't know what sulfur smells like, just basically think like rotten eggs. Yeah. yeah that's that's kind of yeah. the downside to it. So you stand in there in the shower, kind of like, where does that smell? <laughs> <laughs> so buy some good soap. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, and then like just the uh, the hot steam coming out, literally coming out of the ground, was really cool. 
you know, you're running through this stuff and it kind of looks like, you know, in the beginning of the sparring races where they have the smoke coming out. Yeah. Um, it was like, that. you're running through, you're like, man, I can't even see where I'm going right now on the course. Because that smoke was getting so thick. That's uh, intense. Like the, when you run by them, it wasn't like too, too bad, but right. it was definitely, it was cool running through it though. And it, did, it didn't, it was all steam. So it didn't, you know, I like could, didn't make you choke or cough or anything like that. But when it was um, dark, it was really that didn't cool. help. Yeah. It was just like running through fog kind of. Hmm. So you were talking about how cold it was, and I noticed that Spartan kind of had like a mandatory gear list. Did you yep. did you get everything on that gear list, and was oh, all absolutely. of that stuff was it? Did you oh, need yeah. all of it? No. So I mean, and I actually I I completely understand where they were coming from. There was a lot of backlash about that. People were like, "Oh, this is too much to carry." It really wasn't that bad. Right. Um, it's definitely the first aid stuff, you know, because. This is like a six point, whatever it was, a uh, loop. You know, there could be people out there and you could not get help for a while. Yeah. You know, it was pretty harsh conditions. So um, definitely having the space blanket. I, I carry that in my bag anyway to begin with. Right. Um, and then all like the different like gear to wear. That was just smart on their part. You know, there's a lot of people that are kind of kind of foolish when it comes to what they're wearing. Right. Um, so I, I actually I didn't mind it too much. Um, I actually used for the first time like a Solomon pack. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. Like it actually compressed everything, and I really didn't even feel like I had much in my bag. But yeah, I, I think. Um, if you're going to run elite and any type of 24 hour race, you really got to go over the rules over and over and over again. Like my, my boy, Mark Jones taught me that when we did team for world's toughest mutter is, you know, you, you don't want to run like the perfect race and then get disqualified because of something silly. Yeah. So, no doubt. you know, you just got to kind of follow the rules, even if it's kind of seems excessive to you. So, yeah, for real. So, how did this event start? Did it start like on Friday night? Didn't y'all have like a meeting y'all had to go to or something first? Yeah. So there was there was a mandatory meeting at um oh, I can't remember the name of the building, but it was this really really cool building, and they had this like Viking. They had these Vikings come out and do like chants, and Joe did like a spiel, and it was it was actually really really cool. Yeah. Um, and then you could just feel the energy, actually, which was always great before a race like that. You know, like I said before, you got to meet people from all over the world. And then on Saturday, basically, we were shuttled from hotels, um, which is actually pretty, it was not, pretty nice buses, actually. Um, and then the race started at noon on Saturday and then ended at noon on Sunday um, with a little twist that you basically had to, you could not start any new lap after 9 a.m. And if you did not finish your final lap before 12 noon, you were just, you basically, it was like you didn't run any laps at all. Oh. So that was, that was definitely some strategy with that. It didn't really come that much into a strategy for us, like, top three, because we all, you know, we all finished like after nine o'clock. So it wasn't like, you know, like any of us finished at 8.55. I'm like, maybe I could do one more lap. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I liked it and I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it would have been nice to see how much, how much mileage I could have got if it actually was 24 hours. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So, <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, is like, if you got, if you finished a lap and it was, like nine oh five, they wouldn't let you do another lap, right? Nope. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of crazy, Because was it at yeah. that point? Was it taking three hours to finish a lap? Uh, I'm trying to remember actually, because my uh, my girlfriend actually was pretty good about recording the laps. I'd say, I'd say it was averaging probably around like two hours. So I, I possibly could have done another lap, and I definitely had it in me. Um, but like I said before, you know, I mean, like, I, I think that definitely brought some strategy as well as they didn't want people stuck on the course right. till a certain time because they did have shuttles come in pretty soon after the race. So there was definitely a reasoning for it. But as I said before, it would have been kind of nice to see, you know, like, kind of like they do a world stuff as mutter right. how much or how many miles it could have actually got but. Was there a lot of people on course at one time or was there a lot of people tapping out towards the end? <sighs> You know what, honestly, 
that's a good question because from what I saw afterwards, there was a lot of people that were, you know, either getting like hypothermic. They were saying because the transition area was this indoor soccer dome, which was like really, really nice. It was warm. It was inviting. You know, it was it was it, it was kind of hard was, to leave. <laughs> Yeah, basically, and I honestly, I think Joe did that on purpose. He's good <laughs> about that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, come on in, relax. You don't have to go back. It's cold out there. You know, um, and that's why I think definitely one of the biggest things that helped me to win this race was having my pit um, with my now fiance to literally, and we we talked about this for weeks too. You know, like we talked, and I even told her before the race, I was like, it's a democracy before the race. You know, we'll talk about what foods I'm going to be eating, how fast I need to get in and out. What are the times? Yada, yada, yada. And then during the race, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, it is. You get in. She's like, Nope, get in, get out. I mean, she was even like, there were people with cameras trying to like film me, ask me questions. She's like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, she was awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) But yeah, you just got to get in and out. It, it's very, um, especially with a transition area like that, that's very inviting. You just got to get in and out. Hmm. So I, I know they had a little bit different rules because what there, there was something about that you carried around like a punch card or something. And yeah, for it your... actually, it, so yeah, you had a passport, which I actually liked a lot um, <laughs> other than one of the laps. So basically the rules were, there were, not every obstacle was um, kind of similar to what they're doing right now with the recent races where most of the obstacles were um, were burpee obstacles and then there were other obstacles that were loop um, or an extra like loop. Yeah. So for example, um, the the uh, rope climb, like if you didn't, couldn't do the rope climb, then you had to do a penalty loop. Right. Um, and certain other obstacles. And then there are a number of obstacles where you had to do you basically if you finished it you got a punch card for your in your passport and then at the end you basically rob coble was actually there with other referees at the end of the lap you would give him your passport and whichever however numbers of punches you did not have you had to do your burpees all in a row in front of a camera there which is kind of nice for them too so they didn't have to monitor it different obstacles right um as I said before, the only thing that kind of stunk about it was if you have a really bad lap, which during early in the race, there was just pouring, freezing rain. Right. I mean, every one of us, like, were falling off. The, it was just really hard to finish the obstacles. Um, so I ended up doing, like, 120 burpees in, like, one lap. Ooh. It was horrible. Ooh. I was, uh it, it was horrible. I went into there. Like, it was still freezing rain. It was like very rocky and hard on the ground. Like it was on asphalt. Uh, and um, and I literally, I just, I, I gave my thing. I was like, yeah, 120. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this in sets of 10. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to rush and then end up hurting myself for the rest of the race yeah. early and just did them. But yeah, it was not fun. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <Doing that. laughs> so, so h- how many obstacles did you fail the whole race? Did you could, did you even keep up count? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Um, I, I, actually, other than that lap, I'd say on average only like one obstacle, and it was usually Olympus. Um, right. And not and actually, I've never had issues with Olympus at other races. It was just this particular Olympus was caked in ice, mm. and it was just super hard to try and stay in the thing and honestly a lot of times because a lot of strategy goes into this race too so you got to think about it if you're it's going to take you like five minutes to do the obstacle versus like two or three minutes of burpees then you just do the burpees right especially later in the race um so there's definitely some kind of strategy to that as well but yeah yeah that and of course the spear throw wasn't perfect every time oh god There's probably a lot of obscenity said during the course of this race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> you know, it was just, I was actually, I was smiling. I was loving life the whole time. It was good. It was fun. So when did you take over first place and hold it? Uh, pretty much from the start, actually. Really? Um, the only time really that, uh, so the guy, Pavel, that I was talking about that got second, he actually, in the very beginning of the race, it was like, 
it was me, Killian, and Mark Jones. We were running up the mountain, and then we basically just fell, fell down, and then, um, or excuse me, I uh, went down the mountain, and this guy just flies by me. It was Pavel, and then I ended up catching up to him, and from then on, I basically led the race. Hmm. I'm, was, I'm was, sure the burpees probably wore on him pretty good. Yeah, well, he, I can't even imagine how many burpees he probably did as well. So, But, uh, yeah, it was surprising to me. And it, I'm still kind of in shock, but it was just, you know, sometimes you just have a perfect race, and that was a perfect race for me. So, like, every time you go to a Spartan race now and you see Robert Killian, do you always go up to him and say, hey, man, remember that time at Iceland? <laughs> no, no. I, I, it, it's funny, like, a, you know, I have the most utmost respect for Robert. Like, he's <laughs> such an amazing athlete. Like, I actually, I haven't even actually seen him since Iceland. But, uh, no, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I think, honestly, it would have been, it would have been a much closer race. It would have been a different race if he hadn't just done World's Toughest Mudder a month ago. Josh, don't uh, make up excuses for him, man. I know, Come I know, on, I man. Know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, but, uh, <laughs> nah, nah, you know, like I said, I have the most respect. I actually have the most respect for anybody, actually, that was out on that course. That was a tough freaking race. It looked rough. And, uh, and to hear the yeah. stories about... <laughs> To hear the stories about that one mountain climb that was like really dangerous if you yeah. fail. That oh, was... it was crazy. You were grabbing like rocks yeah. with like pinching rocks with your fingers trying to pull yourself up. It was, yeah. it was nuts. We, we, like, we, uh, like I said before, me and Robert, uh, Killian were actually like climbing up and both of us are like, both of us are army guys and we're like, man, we should be in like harnesses right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Like, we're bo- I mean, and both of us have done some pretty crazy stuff and, we're just like this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, Robert, Robert's a cool guy. I've talked to him a couple of yeah. times. I'm sure he doesn't know who I am, but I talked to him a little bit at the Florida Beast. He was pretty, and, and this was like ev- after everything was like over, like Spartan Worlds was over. You know, it was like the last race of the year, and I'm in line, like you know, you know, signing up, and like Robert comes and he's like right behind me, and I'm like, I was like, hey Robert, what's up? And he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like. So are you here to fuck up the points for everybody or what? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he says, he's like, no, I got it. I got to get work on my points too, because the word was, is Brian Gawiski was going down there too. And yep, so, I remember that one. and like he said, if Brian shows up, I've got to defend the points part. He's like, man, I got daycare to pay for. <laughs> he's a total cool guy, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, now you were talking about the grip obstacles and how Olympus was hard. And I know everybody was wearing gloves, but on like the grip obstacles where gloves don't help, were you even able to take your gloves off and try these obstacles with your hands or was it just too cold? No, nah, so what I, I actually did was, um, and this is a trick that I actually learned from a uh, guy from uh, World's Toughest Mudder, um, was I actually wore a pair of Gorilla gloves, um, cheap cheap gloves. You basically buy them at like Home Depot for like six bucks a pair. Yeah, and they're um, kind of like a latex glove, but it's got grip. Yeah. I, I know which one. Yeah, exactly. Talking about. Yeah, I wore a pair of those um, with basically like my winter gloves over them. And every time I got to an obstacle, I would just take off the winter gloves, had those Gorilla gloves on, and went through the obstacle and had no issues actually with the majority of them that's smart right there that's a good tip oh no yeah no that was that was like a lifesaver for me i i saw some of the videos i saw people doing bare hand on some of the obstacles and you know i mean you can obviously but that was really the first time they ever actually wore gloves for an obstacle course race but it was just so cold yeah i I mean my finger my hands were already cold enough with those gloves but i can imagine being bare hand for those yeah. those obstacles because imagine if it's like you know the rain on the monkey bars i mean shoot i would think your hands could almost stick to them <laughs> probably if you left them on long enough <laughs> <laughs> So, like, the the transition area of the tent, so it was, like, just an open door. You run in there, and you had, like, your pit area, and you just went to it and got stuff and just took off. And, I mean, or like, how, how, how was that? Was there, like, places to go to the bathroom? How was that like? Yeah, they actually, they had a pretty good setup in there, actually. It was, um, there was, uh, you basically ran through, there was an, 
there was a section that was for the elite racers and then there was a section for open racers. Um, and they actually, they had everything you needed. They even had some, uh, water heaters so you could actually warm up some water for like soup and things like that. That's cool. Um, they had like different vendors there if you needed to get some extra food as well. Um, and then you're basically, it was kind of at random which numbers you got. So kind of, you know, you're talking about Robert uh, before. It was kind of funny when we first got there, his number just happened to like put him like way in the corner. So yeah. of course, you know, like me being the smart ass that I am, as soon as I saw him, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny. Yeah, that God, was... that's funny. <laughs> uh, I don't think he thought it was funny. but <laughs> What did he say? Shut up, man. <laughs> nah. nah. That's hilarious. Like, Who is this guy? <laughs> That's hilarious. He's like, I'll show you, baby, when we get on the course. Yeah. That's funny, man. That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, was there like any part of this race where you felt like, man, this sucks? I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be able to keep doing this, or were you just good to go the whole time? Yeah, I was pretty much just good to go the entire time. Did you take? Did you take like a a, a longer break than usual or was it almost always like a you know in and out pit every time uh, it was it was always just in and out every time that's insane i know i saw videos where some people the, the people that were just just there you know to get like their 30 miles or whatever to say they completed it i saw them just crashing in there you know in sleeping bags yeah. and everything <laughs> so i was just wondering if maybe you took a little snooze too no, no, I was actually, uh, I was out on course pretty much the whole time other than... Ball to the wall. I'd say most transitions probably were around like one to two minutes. Yeah, um, wow. But obviously, you know, like maybe got a little bit longer because uh, I'm definitely a big, I'm a big fan of stretching thr- throughout the race. Yeah. So, you know, like every time I would go into transition, I would basically just kind of stretch quickly and then while well, my girlfriend fed me and then... Just get on with the race. That's a good girlfriend. Oh, yeah. No, she did awesome. So what when you come in and stretch, what were you stretching out? Just like your calves and hamstrings, stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, for those kind of like no like yoga poses, usually just do like a pigeon pose. Right, from uh, the hip. And like downward dog. And really, actually, honestly, just like those two a lot of times, which stretches out the calves with downward dog. Yeah. And then... um. The pigeon pose really gets like those hip flexors and the glutes, and then, yeah, right on. And I, I, I did that um when, first time when I did the Georgia Death Race. They have uh, eight stations every six miles, and basically every six miles I would just do those stretches and. Yeah, they have like some really awesome aid stations with like hot food and Uh, booze and stuff at it. Yeah, oh yeah, best aid stations out of any race you'll ever do. (laughs) I highly advise like anybody that wants. To do like an epic, epic ultra marathon, definitely, definitely do the Georgia Death Race. And isn't it like thirty thousand feet of? Is it up and down or? It, I, I want to say lot. I think it's uh, like twenty thousand feet of gain, twenty thousand feet of uh, loss. Which yeah. you know, once again, you know, it's it's not so much like twenty thousand feet of gain that destroys your legs. It's that 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 twenty thousand feet of going down. That's, right, that hurts. Cause it's like seventy miles, right, or sixty nine, or something like that. Yeah, it's. I don't even remember. It's <laughs> all kind of a blur. <laughs> and and they make you. Don't you have to like carry a, a railroad spike with you the whole time? Yeah, huh. that's actually. You know, this is kind of off from Iceland, but like, I definitely advise anybody that's doing that race, wrap up that that railroad spike in something because that thing was digging into my lower back <laughs> for the first like twenty miles, and that hurt. Yeah, you definitely, definitely got to make sure that you uh, that you protect that spike. That thing will dig into your back. Yeah, <laughs> that thing weighs about a pound or so. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, how did you fuel for for this race? I mean, did when you went out every lap, were you like carrying like you know just some gels with you? I mean, what was working? What was not working? So, my main source of uh, nutrition was Tailwind, um, which is basically just like a it's a calorie with electrolytes that you mix with yeah, water. carbs and everything. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much, that was my main fuel. And then um, one of my actual sponsors is Frog Fuel. Right. Um, 
and basically every every lap I would take, or about every other lap, I would take one of their energy gels, and then like every eight hours, one of the protein ones, and then just regular food, like in between like the laps. So potato chips, pickles, um, pop tarts, uh, peanut M and M's, um, and then. So in Iceland, you probably ate like $300 worth of food during this race. Oh, oh, easily, man. Easily. And then my secret weapon really is uh, chocolate-covered espresso beans. Ooh, I love those things, man. They're bomb. Yeah, you're starting to get a little sluggish later in the race. You pop like a handful of those. Oh, amazing. You know, and I've never never thought about using those for a race, but in Iceland, that would work perfectly because they wouldn't melt in your bag, you know? Yep, exactly. Oh, yeah, no, and that was was just basically at the transitions. I would just, like, eat any, like, the food pretty much I really wouldn't carry. It was just, um, just, like, the tailwind and water. Yeah. Shoot. That's rad, man. So... Like, what advice would you give to anybody that was planning on doing this race? I'd say uh, best advice is definitely um, put the miles in. Um, Time on feet is definitely important for a race like this. Um, And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, like running like, you know, 20 miles every day. You know, train smart as well. You know, work on speed speed drills, tempo runs, but really the most important part is one to two long distance. Doesn't matter what the, or excuse me, a long time. Doesn't matter what the distance is, you know, just get out there and just get time on your feet. Right. Um, so is there anything you should or should (laughs) not do when you're traveling to Iceland? (laughs) Uh, so actually this is kind of funny cause I actually, um, got, uh, basically, nah, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically I was, I got stopped by security on the way out. Oh. Um, I guess be careful with tailwind. Um, there was actually some stories about this that can actually set off their, um, their chemical markers. So this kind of stuff that they scan your hands for to make sure, you know, you're not bringing like a bomb onto the plane. Right. Um, I didn't know this at the time, though, and they scanned my hands. They're like, oh, come with us, sir. I'm like, okay. So they scanned it again. They're like, still coming up positive. Still, co-. But I will tell you one thing, though. Wow. Security in Iceland is probably, like, the nicest people in the world. Like, oh, so, so sorry about this, sir. Like, you know, I thought, like, you know, like, if I was in the U.S., people were going to be drawing guns on me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely be careful with that. But um, so- and definitely have fun. So put the tailwind in your bag, it's your check. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But just have fun, you know, like enjoy the experience, and that's what you're there for. You know, whether you're coming first place or, you know, a thousandth place, just have fun and enjoy the experience. Right on, right on. Okay, Josh, so I pretty much have a a, a set of questions that I usually ask everybody that I interview. So, and, and I mean, we've probably already talked about it, so if it's repeat, that'll be cool. So what was probably the best part of this race for you, besides getting first and proposing to your girlfriend at the end? <laughs> ah, well, I mean, those are obviously the best parts. Right. <laughs> uh, the best part for me, actually, was in the world championship, being with athletes from all around the world yeah, and meeting people from all around the world. I bet that was cool. I bet you like added a bunch of friends to your Facebook after that race. Ah. It was so cool. I have, I have people, you know, I can basically go traveling to any country in the world now and have a place to stay. That, that I find is pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like, you saw a lot of them, like, you know, that's the cool thing about a multi-lap ultra as opposed to, like, you know, tri-state where you go out there and it's only two laps. Yep. Is you'll keep seeing the same people, so that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, peop- and people are amazing on the course. That, that's the other cool part, too. You know, like, they'll see you, and, you know, like, if, you know, you, like, the same thing in World Service Mutter as well. You know, like, a lot of times you'll say, you know, like, contender coming through, or, you know, like, right. you know, like, topoly or whatever. And, pe- and, you know, instead of people being like, oh, no, you know, like, it's my turn. Like, they're just yeah. like, oh, man, kick butt. You're kicking butt. Keep it up. Keep yeah. it up. Like, I, it, I love that part of the race. Oh. People are just so cool in that regards. That's cool. 
So what would you say was the worst part about this race? <laughs> the worst part was doing those 120 burpees <laughs> in the freezing rain. Man, that's sucked. <laughs> See, now, I was under the impression they would let you come inside that warm tent and do the no, burpees, but no. No, no. That was actually on the last sheet, too. Like, they were interviewing Joe, and he was like, did you ever think about that? He was like, no. He was like, that's perfect. He was like, people are, like, crying. and it <laughs> <laughs> That was awful. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's kind of sucks. I thought there was being, and I saw videos where some people were doing burpees outside, but I thought, you know, since they were letting you do the punch card, I thought they were letting you do that because the ground was so cold. They were letting everybody come in the warm tent and do their burpees. Nah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Bummer. <laughs> so what is like your race ritual? And, and it doesn't have to be for like this race. It could be any race. Like what do you do or eat the night before and like the morning of before the race? So uh, night before... Um, you know, I, I used to be like very regimented about this. I used to say like, I'm eating exactly this food. Now I just get a good food. I just get a good meal in. Um, I don't worry too much about the night before. I'd say probably the most common thing I eat is usually like pasta, chicken, and like some salad, you know, nothing, nothing different, nothing different. Don't, don't go out, you know, to a, you know, if you never had Japanese food, don't go out to a Japanese <laughs> restaurant the night before. Yeah. You know, maybe sushi might not be a good idea. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not. Uh, but, you know, just something, nothing out of the ordinary. No um, volcano rolls. Nah, no, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did have noodles the night before, actually. if you, That's another thing about Iceland. If you do go to Iceland, they have some of the best noodles, um, surprisingly. Mm. <laughs> and, uh... The morning of is just basically uh, usually like a bagel with peanut butter and honey on it. Right. Um, with some bananas and maybe like some oatmeal. You know, just dep- it depends on the race length too. You know, I'm not I'm going to eat a lot less before a sprint race versus like oh, an yeah. ultra beast. Of course. And just make sure like it's a good amount of time before the race. Right. So you don't have it sitting in your stomach like a rock. Yeah. So, like, is there products that you, like, swear by or supplements that you might take? Yeah, so, um, I definitely, uh, Frog Fuel is, is definitely, like I said before, one of my sponsors, and they, it just, it's, it's very, very, very simple amino acids, um, and then the Tailwind is awesome, you know, Tailwind is just literally sugar and electrolytes, it's, it's nothing, they also have an unflavored, which I'm not a big fan of, like, flavored stuff. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, like over like 24 hours, you just like, oh, you don't want to be tasting like orange oh, for yeah. 24 hours. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so uh, I do like the fact that they have an unflavored, uh, version. Right. So, um, what would you say is like, your favorite obstacle and what do you say is the obstacle you hate the most? <laughs> uh, so I'll go with the hate the most would be the, um, the sled drag. It's just, man, every time I get to that thing, I always pick the one that has the rock <laughs> right in front of it. So, you know, you're like, yeah, you pull it and dink. Um, so that's definitely my least favorite. My favorite is at Killington, the Tarzan swing. Oh, underneath the uh, bridge. Oh, yeah. You swim out to it, which feels amazing because you've been running fast. Right. And then you get to, like, climb up the ladder and you're, like, hanging up below it you can see the people above you on the bridge you're like swinging from rope to rope it's it's so much fun is is that like i'm doing my first my first race in killington and i'm doing the ultra also how cold is that water like super cold or is it just okay <sighs> I, you know what honestly i think it kind of depends on who you ask right because <laughs> a lot of people say that it's freezing cold i think it feels beautiful right <laughs> jump in it but I'm probably not the best person to ask about that, though. <laughs> well, I know that I had no problems with the water crossings in Tri-State. It felt good to uh, me. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine, man. It might be, a, it's definitely a little chillier. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you'll be fine. Especially if, like, you're heated from running and you're going a good pace. Right. You'll be fine. It'll actually feel nice. Yeah. I know what you're talking about on that plate drag. Man, did those plate drags suck at Tri-State oh, yeah, or what? Yeah, the plate drag, yeah. Oh, my God. I got one. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to be able to pull it. I was just plowing yeah. up earth, dude, <laughs> the first time. The second time, it wasn't bad, but that first time, it was awful. Yeah. It gassed yeah, me. Plate drag is not fun. Even in Iceland, too, it was, like, frozen to the ground. Even though Ooh. it was, like, it was on, like, a... 
it was on asphalt, which was kind of nice because, you know, there were no rocks for it to get caught on, but it just, it's never fun. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's frozen to the ground. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, to this point in, in like your race and career, what has been probably your favorite race? Ah, favorite race? Well, Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> That's right. You got uh, engaged there. It's got to be, man. I know. Yeah, I know. My girlfriend would kill me if I don't say that. Ah, you're right. You answered that question correctly, <laughs> sir. Uh, honestly, my my best memory, though, was, I'd say, between um, Tuxedo, which is actually one of my favorite sprint races. Right. Um, because my son was there, um, and it was Father's Day weekend, and I won. Uh, oh, that's so, cool. Like, it was just a great combo. Um, and then Killington Ultra Beast. That was just, it was, uh, it was cool. So, Man, I bet that was awesome. Coming back, you know, from barely finishing and then just defeating it. I bet that was just like an awesome yeah. rush there, man. Uh, it's cool, man. Like I say, you know, like anybody out there, like it's just don't try and beat anybody else. Just beat yourself. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you can always get better than yourself. You know, there. There's always somebody else more badass than you are. Oh, That's what I always say. You know, I'm a, no matter how badass you think you are, there's always somebody more badass. So that's why you should just, just try and be yourself. Yeah. That's the best way to look at it when you do an ultra too is, you know, if somebody passes you, I mean, and, and, yep. and you know, you're not going to, you're not in the first person contender, just let them go and just, and go your own pace, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Some, you never know though. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a long it's race. It's a long race. You're exactly <laughs> right. Cause I know like, man, I remember when we, when we come out of the gate at Tri-State, I was good running up that first section of the hill. I felt great on that second lap. I was like, I got to hike this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all about pacing. You definitely got to. One of the hardest things about an ultra race is slowing yourself down in the beginning. Yeah. It definitely is. I like going, but the thing about me is, is I'm so worried I'm not going to finish. I like, I'm going to go kill the first lap. That way I know how much I can relax on the second one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So last question, what has been your worst race? Oh man, I, I actually, uh, I hate that question because now it's making me think about it. Um, <laughs> that bad, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. So it was actually the uh, the Boston Super. Um, but I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Now I think I've like repressed it in my memories. Um, so the Boston Super, you know, I, I was riding high, had done really well in some other races. I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to do so great in this race. Mm. And it was really hot. I was already like really sweaty and, you know, I'm running and once again, you know, like one of my heroes, Pac, he's, he's in uh, second place. I was in third. And right when I got to spear throw, I see him miss it. So I'm like, Oh, this is my chance. Yeah. I'm going to finally beat him. So like, of course <laughs> now, you know, like I got that in my head, the spear throw just slides right out of my sweaty hand. Oh. I miss it. And I just ran the entire race angry and mm. ended up just messing up every obstacle, got in like 30th place or something like that. And it was a good lesson though. You know, yeah. it was like, don't race angry. Yeah. You, you, Stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, you, you can't, I mean, I, I get, I get upset when I fail stuff, but I've learned that just because you fail one obstacle or fail two obstacles, don't count yourself out. Just keep going, exactly. keep doing your best. That's all yep. you can do. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely, I mean, it was, it was a horrible race, but it was a great life lesson. Though. It was a good race lesson. Heck yeah. Well, shoot, Josh, I'm out of questions, man. Is there anything else you want to add to this that you think somebody might need to know or anything? Yeah, no, I can honestly, I guess the biggest thing, and I, I've kind of already said this before is, you know, do, always working on improving yourself. You know, I, I came as, that kid in high school that could tripped over his own feet was never an athlete, you know, and I've become what I am today from hard work and just, you know, I never stopped believing in myself and anybody out there that's listening, you know, don't stop believing in yourself. You can do this. Shoot, man. That's pretty awesome. Josh, Uh, are you going to go back to Iceland this year to stay king of the mountain? Uh, it's, it's, uh, under decision right now. So, um, I'll definitely, I'll keep you guys updated though, <laughs> when I know for sure. 
Sounds good, Josh. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, no problem, bro. All right, man. Take it easy, Josh. Take care, guys. Hope you enjoyed the interview, guys. I want to thank Joshua again for taking the time to uh, do that. Uh, a lot of good information in there. I really enjoyed that interview. Uh, my next race will be Terrain Race in June in Atlanta. Uh, then Spartan Race in Asheville. I may go to Palmerton. Got to see how the money's going. Thanks again for everybody out there listening. Uh, I didn't say it in the last podcast, but I want to thank everybody that come up to me and just said hey and said they enjoyed the podcast at New Jersey. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave a review on iTunes. Tell me how bad I suck. And we'll see you at the next race. Peace. Thank you.